Welcome back to the Muzzle Blast Podcast, the official podcast of the National Muzzleloading Rifle Association. This week, we've got a great episode ahead. We're talking with Jim Kibler of Kibler Long Rifles. If you've been online at all during COVID-19, you've probably seen a ton of Kibler Long Rifle kit builds happening during all of this. We've wanted to have Jim on the show for a long time now, and with the increased interest in building kits and our upcoming Kibler kit class with Mike Brooks at the NMLRA Education Center, now is just the perfect time to have Jim on to talk about the process behind his kits, how the kit business got started, and where he's taking it. So if you're interested at all in building your own muzzleloader, be it a Kibler kit or or another kit or a custom one from scratch, be sure to listen to this episode. Jim shares a lot of neat information and just some general enthusiasm about the muzzleloading community and where it's going. My name is Jim Kibler. Um, I'll give you a little bit of background on uh, how I got into muzzleloading rifles. Um, I started building guns when I was probably muzzleloading rifles when I was probably 15 or 16 years old. Uh, and my family was always interested in history, and I always liked to make things with my hands. And uh, so, sort of muzzleloading rifles seemed like a, a real fit. Um, I enjoyed hunting and outdoor sports, things like that as well. And uh, I found an old kit gun in my grandparents' house and it hadn't been put together, an old CVA kit gun. And I just decided it'd be fun to do. And uh, it sort of just grew from there. Um, so within a couple of years, I started, uh, you know, building uh, more accurate recreations of, of long rifles and uh, just sort of, sort of built. Um, after that, I, Went away for, to college for a few years. Um, I studied engineering. I'm a metallurgical engineer uh, by trade. And uh, <clears throat> so I worked as an engineer for maybe a dozen years, something like that. And then uh, I got laid off from a, a job. And at that point, I started building muzzleloaders full time, um, just custom guns, basically one off guns. And then eventually it sort of morphed into this, uh, this kit business. And we've been uh, we're, uh, doing this kit business for maybe four or five years, something like that. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of background of, of how we got started. Yeah, that's great. And I think seeing your work and, and seeing your videos, especially in your manufacturing process, it really makes sense that your background is in engineering. That, that really connects now with me after watching all of it online. Yeah. <laughs> Sure, sure. Yeah, I think that one one asset we have is that, um, you know, I spent time, you know, learning how to build high-end custom muzzle-loading rifles, um, but then all, and I have a uh, sort of some artistic ability in that regard, but then also have, you know, sort of the engineering mindset, too. I'm able to combine both those aspects, and it really keyed our business, you know? Yeah. So... I guess my first question is, you're one of the first, and maybe the only, correct me if I'm wrong, but kit manufacturers to start using the CNC process with your manufacturing. Sure. How did that come about? Because I, I believe currently, at least a lot of the, the metal work or the hardware for muzzleloaders is all cast. Sure. You know, I'm not exactly, you know, it's sometimes hard to, to think back the, the, the or at least for me, the, the right. actual progression of things, you know how it actually happened. But I, th I believe even even back in the late '90s, when I was in college, well, maybe mid '90s, I was kind of thinking about how 
you know, you know, making these guns could be done in, you know, more of a, a mass produced way, you mm-hmm. know, and, you know, and, and especially with regard to the stocks, you know, the complex shapes. And you know, I, I think I had a vague idea how CNC equipment worked at that point, but I didn't really understand the complex shapes and how those could be, uh, you know, a gun stock. If you could, um, you know, actually make something like that using a CNC machine. I mean, I guess it was sort of rattling around in my brain for a while and you know, at, at some point, um, I started digging into it a little bit more. And I think probably, you know, I got on the Internet. That's how I get a lot of my information, <laughs> just, you know, researching on the Internet. And at some point, I, I probably did some research and I figured out that it could be it could be done, you know, and just started digging in more and more. And, yeah, just sort of sort of grew from there. Right. <laughs> um, so we started we started um, using the CNC uh, machines for doing stock work okay um you know which has been really important to our business uh because you know traditionally uh these gun stocks have been made um either by hand or with duplicators and duplicators are a a machine where you would basically hold on to one part of the machine and and trace a stylus over a master and then uh a, a cutter um basically like a router motor with a cutter on it would then kind of move in conjunction with the, the stylus that you're moving around and you would then you know carve out a stock um, so you know they can be be okay but they have their limitations um, so they have their limitations in terms of how precise and accurate they are um, and then also the fact that you have to you know be there and do everything yourself you know with the cnc equipment you know it's very very repeatable very accurate um and you don't have to attend machines when they're they're programmed properly uh so it's a for manufacturing it's a real real win you get a real high quality product and it's actually uh you know a better process and that it does take manpower so right and you're able to that allows you to run what i assume is a relatively small company behind you know your kit it is it is yeah. so um you know it's myself and my girlfriend Catherine, and i probably should back up <laughs> a little bit um and tell you a little bit more about her and her role um so probably wouldn't have started the kit business if if i hadn't met Catherine. i'd kind of been thinking about it but i've been building these uh you know one-off custom muzzle loaders and you know, i knew that i could do kit work but then i thought well you know there's a lot to that a lot to get started and you know i was, I was it was a pretty easy life i was living you know <laughs> um, before i met Catherine, you know and i didn't really have a lot of desire to push um further you know i enjoyed making the custom guns and then she came along and uh, you know she has a, a a good mind for business and has some uh, education related to that um and she was uh, sort of between jobs at the time and looking for something to do. So I thought, well, why don't we just try this, you know? And and as a team, it's worked out real well in the fact that, you know, she takes care of all the everything except the manufacturing. So I take care of the manufacturing aspect of it, and then the rest of the business she takes care of, which is, um, you know, it's uh, crucial because there's no way I could have really gotten <clears throat> uh, things rolling without uh without her because there's you know it's easy to look at you know a business and think that or at least i focus on the main 
manufacturing part of it, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff that has to go on too that, you know, is easily overlooked. Yeah. Um, really, really important. Yeah. So, um, you know, like the original point was not how many people we have working here. So it's myself, Catherine, and then we have, um, Right now, we have two other employees, although we may be adding another one. Okay. Um, so we are we are in the process of growing. Um, well, that's so exciting. We, of course, it just started out with myself. It is, yeah. It started out with myself and Catherine. We ran that way for a good while, and then we added one employee uh, uh, maybe about a year after we started the business, and we just recently added another employee probably maybe three or four months ago. So, so yeah, it's going well. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really exciting. You know, there's, you know, kind of the, the more, the larger kit companies out there, you know, it used to be CVA, but you've got traditions and track of the wolf and Dixie gunworks out there mm -hmm. supplying kits, a lot of the places, but you look mm -hmm. at those companies and they, they feel much larger and you're definitely producing a high quality kit at a much smaller scale, which I think is, is really kind of shaking the bushes of the muzzleloading world from what I'm seeing online. Yeah, I, I hope so. You know, we, um, you know, we certainly want to, we want to sell as many products as we can. And, uh, you know, we're going to provide as high a quality product as we can. And, um, you know, that's really our sort of our, our goal in a, a nutshell, you know, you have the lower, lower end. It's like, um, uh, like you said, maybe the ones that are made overseas, you know, CVAs, things like that. Um, and then you, you know, had higher one, higher quality ones that were made in this country. And those are largely um, coming from well, a few sources, you know, even like the ones that track sell They're they're really not a producer. They're just a reseller, mm -hmm. you know, buying stocks from other people. Um, <clears throat> but, um, you know, our goal is to, to basically, you know, provide a, a really high quality product, um, you know, that people want, people enjoy and, it's turning out to be a win-win situation, you know, where we, of course, you know, we need to sell product and, and, uh, it's a product that's that people are de desiring to buy. So it's a really a good deal, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I wanted to have you on, um, especially after this, uh, the virus that's been, you know, COVID-19 is really hammered. I mean, at least for us, a lot of our events that we were hoping to be out and, and traveling to, you know, got canceled and everybody is kind of stuck at home. And during that, I just saw, at least to my perception, a large increase of people building your kits. Is is that, yeah, you know, real? And is that, and how are you holding up with that? Well, we, we definitely have seen an uptick in business. There's no doubt about that. Um it uh, it was kind of surprising. It, um, initially, it dropped off pretty pretty radically for like the first maybe week or two or a few weeks, you know. But then, I think people were looking for pro. I guess is people were looking for projects to work on, being stuck at home, things like that. And, and uh, you know, it um, yeah, business has been pretty good lately. And uh, yeah, we welcome all orders. You know, yeah. <laughs> we have to do to 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 you know, get them out the door and, and, um, you know, to, to, you know, meet the demands, we'll do all we can. So, yeah. so we like the, we like the added business. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, the added business is, is it's really, it's, uh, it, it, I guess it's kind of self-explanatory, but it, it, it's good in that it lets us grow the business. It lets us buy more efficient equipment, um, do more things, add more products. It just keeps the ball rolling, you know? So it's, it's just a, 
it's been a really good thing for us. Yeah. And I think muzzleloading in general, you know, oh, yeah. um, you know, in some ways it's been, Catherine talks about this a lot, but it's been, um, a bit of an exclusive sort of club in some, uh, from some perspectives, you know, where you had the lower end kits that were readily available that anybody could put together. But if you wanted something that was high quality, it became more difficult. You had to pay a custom builder and they might uh, be able to do it for you, but there might be long wait times and hassles and trying to find that person. Yeah. Or you might go to another kit that um, could be make made into a high quality gun, but those kits take a lot more skill and there's a lot more risk involved and, and uh, a lot more time that's um, required to put those sort of kits together. Um, so, uh, you know, what we offer is sort of filled that niche where it's made it a little less exclusive. And, you know, there's been, um, we've seen a lot of first time people, you know, a lot of our businesses, people that have never built them before, maybe been on the sidelines and, and, uh, you know, didn't quite know how to enter, but, um, you know, they've, they felt okay about this and move forward. So it's been good. Yeah, there, I think especially on on our end, as far as introductory, you know, muzzleloading shooters, I think there's a a, a weird sense of uh, competitiveness, I guess, in in your equipment and your gear, and I imagine that kind of spreads, you know, through just about everything, you know, and people mm-hmm. might not necessarily after a few years have their you know their first kit isn't necessarily their pride and joy anymore, and they're looking to upgrade yeah. and, and get into something, and like you say, you know the guys out there that are building one-off custom guns are making beautiful work, but they can be several years out and the costs can be super prohibitive. And this is a way to give people an option. That's something nice. And it's something that they have a hand in, you know, when you're yeah. handing out to a custom builder, it's kind of a hands off, you know, you might give, yes. you tell them, you know, I'd like this style, this period, you know, these little details, but they don't have a hands-on part of it. And it means more to somebody in the end, of course, if they do have part of it. Yeah. And we found that that's a, excuse me, that's an important part of our business is that people want to have a part in it, but it, it can't be too, too much, you know, or else it requires so much time. You can't hand, hand somebody a, a block of wood and a barrel and a, you know, <laughs> a few parts and, you know, that, that's going too far. So people like to have a their hands and things, but then, you know, make it reasonable as well. Um, and, and that's really important because we've, you know, we've seen, you know, guns that are completed, um, you know, people put together and maybe offered for sale. Um, but oftentimes those guns maybe will sit around a little bit because people actually want the process of putting it together themselves, even though, you know, maybe it'd be a good value to buy a complete a gun that's been completed. You know, one of our kits that have been completed by somebody that you know is offering it for sale. But they desire the to be part of that process, so which is good. You know, it's neat. Yeah, and I think that ties in a lot with muzzleloading living history being an experience. You know, if you mm-hmm. want to go out and shoot a lot and shoot fast, you're not going to be shooting a muzzleloader. You know, yeah. you're, you're shooting a muzzleloader for that experience, for that change of pace and building your own kit is definitely a part of that. Yeah. If we could, I'd like to talk a little bit about the the development process. I was reading kind of your, I was going through your website before the interview here and mm-hmm. reading some of your FAQs and some of the information about the different products. And one of the main questions seems to be, you know, when you're going to, when are you going to offer a left-handed kit? Sure. And 
I was just curious as to when you're and you've just begun to launch, I believe, a new lock. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That's right. Yep. What does that process look like for you guys? Are you going back and doing a lot of research? Are you scanning originals? Is that kind of mm -hmm. development from the ground up? What's that look like before before you're able to ship something out? as a new product. Yeah. So it is a, a time consuming process. And, um, you know, that's one of the challenges, you know, we're, we're focused on trying to right now, trying to grow the business as fast as possible, but there's some things that, um, you know, there's kind of bottlenecks or roadblocks and, and development of new products is that because it all has to run through me basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, because it's a very specialized task and, you know, it requires a lot of, excuse me, background knowledge and, uh, you know, skills. Um, so, uh, you know, that is a bit of a, a bit of a struggle, but it's just something that we have to get through. Um, so yeah, it does start with research and, you know, my experience building guns and studying original guns for years and years provides a, you know, real solid background, uh, on that because what we, we certainly want to produce things that are very historically correct and also well-designed, you know, aesthetically appealing, uh, um, all those sort of characteristics. Um, so we'll get some kind of an idea of uh, what we want to produce. Um, and we want to produce basically whatever we'll sell the most of and still, mm -hmm. still, you know, be, be enjoyable to make to some degree. Um, but we have to pick uh, products that, you know, will give the most bang for the buck initially at least you know and that's what allows the, the business to get moving and get rolling you know yeah um you have so, to offer something that people are going to enjoy but isn't so niche that the the number of people that are in, going to enjoy it is is too small to sustain it without a doubt yep you have to be careful because there's <laughs> considerable cost in development um yeah. you know we're getting getting faster at least i'm getting faster at the process um you know, because each time you go through it, there's a learning curve to it. And after you've done it, you've, you get a little bit faster and there's you find new ways of doing things and so forth. But it, it takes many months to maybe, I don't know, of solid work. It may take four or five months maybe to develop a, a kit, one particular kit. Mm -hmm. Um, so it does, it is time consuming. Um, and all so that, have to be careful with what you pick and all of that time, doesn't you know that development time doesn't mean that the normal day-to-day -day stuff goes away that's just kind of in, yeah. in addition to you got it yeah so you have to try to try to fit it in you know yeah <laughs> so it's uh that's where we try are trying to find people that can um you know fill some of those roles that i that i've uh uh, been taken care of and right. um you know kind of looking forward i think that's you know, a goal of the business is, you know, my um, pretty much focus would be just developing processes. And then at some point, those processes would hopefully be solid enough. They could be handed off to somebody that would be more in charge of the manufacturing process, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So you asked about how it's done a little bit too, maybe. And I could go into that a little bit. Um, yeah. I don't want you to so, feel like you have to give away any secrets or anything, but no, I, just a little no, glimpse would uh, be great. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be happy to do that. Um, so CNC equipment, it basically needs, uh, it has to be, what that means is you have 
to tell it how to move, um, where to go. Um, so there's, there's software, there's computer programs that uh, allow you to, to basically do that. Um, and you pretty much have to have a more or less have a model, uh, sort of like a virtual model of what you're trying to produce. Um, so you, most of those today are three-dimensional models um, where it's, a, it's actually a, a three-dimensional a three object that you can rotate around on your screen and, you know, it's a, a solid body, three-dimensional object. So how do you get to that three-dimensional object is sometimes a little tricky, um, actually very tricky in regards to a lot of the parts for these muzzle-loading rifles because these are designs that were developed in the, you know, the 18th and 19th centuries, you know, the guns that were producing and they were produced originally by hand and, um, you know, machines, uh, don't, it's more difficult to get machines to make these kind of organic handmade forms than it is, you know, um, forms that are more geometric and so forth. So, so coming up with these models can be difficult is I guess where I'm going with that. Um, the software is getting better and better. Um, some parts we are able to program directly. So just sit down at a computer and are able to program a shape by hitting enough keys and working with the software. So, um, that's sometimes that's the case. Other times, Excuse me. Um, other times we use 3D scanning where we can take a, a master or perhaps even an original, although we haven't used any original part, but um, some kind of a master. Then you can use uh, uh, it's a, a laser scanner is what it's called, where it basically records the, the surface shape. Then you can take that data and put it into software and then you can build surfaces and solid models from from that data. Um, so that's it. And once you have the, the solid model, that's the first step. Then you basically have to do what's called develop tool paths or program it, do the, the CAM. It's called uh, computer aided uh, machining. Um, so you figure out strategies to fix your parts, to hold parts, um, and to machine parts. So, in a nutshell, that's what it is. Wow. <laughs> that sounds, I mean, it sounds super complicated, but you're the, I, can't imagine the, you know, how complicated that is because you're taking, like you say, all these natural and organic movements that an artisan or a craftsman would do, would do, and you're trying to trick the computer into doing it for you. That just, that yeah. Was- and it, the way reason is possible now for a, a business like this is just, you know, technology evolves and it becomes more accessible. You know, it wouldn't have been possible or reasonable, um, you know, for a small business like ourselves to be able to afford the software and the equipment and so forth until relatively recently. Um, and it's just, you know, things have progressed and, you know, it's, it, we're able to do it. So see so yeah, how the software is getting better all the time. Um, so yeah, it, uh, it's neat stuff. It is. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Huh? Wow. I really appreciate, you know, the little insight into that because I think it's, it's neat. And I think it's neat because you're so upfront about it. You know, mm-hmm. you've gotten, you know, you're one of the first manufacturers that I, I've seen have such an in-depth online presence and, you know, especially your video presence of showing mm-hmm. people how to go through all of this. And yeah, you're, just, you're very upfront with that. Sure. I think that's, you know, sort of our, my personality and Catherine's personality as well. And, um, 
you know, it, and sort of that transfers into our, our business philosophy. Um, and as far as like the, the, the online, you know, it's, um, you know, certainly a service. It helps people that don't even buy our kits. But um, one of the reasons why we do it is because it, it helps sell our kits, you know, and it's yeah. a, and I'm not really ashamed to say that, you know, it's a good thing. Um, it's a, I think it's a good thing for everybody, you know, us and even the people that buy them, you know? Yeah. So it builds, so yeah, a, it, you know, and certainly I'm sorry, no, and no. things are sort of changing. Of course, you know, where there's so much information available online, the, the days of having to go to a show and, and show your product, um, you know, it, it's not necessary today. Um, and there's a lot of downsides with going to shows. You know, we don't go to too many shows because there's a large cost associated with that. And, uh, you know, we're away from the shop then. So shop production really suffers. Um, so and it's a com it's complex to go to the shows when, you know, if you use the, um, you know, the internet properly, it can be really, really good. You yeah. Know? And that's, that's what we're looking at too, especially with, you know, things like this show and our, in our videos now is you're able to reach so many more people all the time. And like mm -hmm. you say, even if they don't become customers, you're still sharing that information with them. And even if they never buy anything, they're still coming to you for that resource. Yeah. And, and a great thing is that it's, it's a course recorded, yes. you know, that information is then able to repeat. You don't have to say it each time. You yeah. know, it seems like a simple <laughs> thing to say, but you're to show you repeat it all the time, but right. you know, it's just on the internet. It can just be repeated over and over, which is really a, a, a good thing. You know? and it's a good, a good thing for us too, in terms of just answering questions people might have. So when we show the process, you know, people are able to answer their own questions, basically. And it really, really helps us, um, you know, get more stuff done, to be honest, you know. Comically, it's the same kind of automation that you're using to produce the kits, to yeah. then support the kits going forward. I th that's Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. And it's just cool. It's cool that that's able to happen now. That, And especially with the CNC and the, and the cam software that you're talking about, that you're able to take mm -hmm. something that is traditionally looked at as old hat, you know, not many people are doing it and you're able to apply mm -hmm. this modern technology to it and still keep what everybody loves about it being old with it. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing we, we of course don't do is we don't compromise. Um, you know, basically these are the same as same qualities if um you know a high quality custom rifle in terms of uh, you know there is some difference in terms of how you finish it but of what you're getting you know up until that this point you know that's provided in the kit, kit all the all the qualities of is comparable to, to any gun you could buy no matter the cost you know yeah. so we don't compromise um and it can be a, a, you know adapted with enough work you know yeah, it can, it can be made to happen to those original standards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So was it Catherine's idea to start the video build series there? Or is oh, that a choice? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, my, uh, I, my focus is, it, it is basically on figuring out how to do these things. Mm -hmm. And that's what sort of what I enjoy, even though I might mutter and complain about it a lot. But that's sort of my focus is problem solving yeah. i guess that's just what i do um and she uh, you know understands the other aspects of the business a little bit more in terms of um knowing what's good for sales what'll help 
things like that. Um, you know, and I, when I met her, I didn't even have a website or anything for my custom guns. And she convinced me to have, to have, let her make a website and then do YouTube videos. Even though I feel uncomfortable doing YouTube videos, I just do it because it's, <laughs> it's good for us. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah, she's certainly been the driving force of all the social media type stuff and the internet type stuff. Yeah. Which is good. Cause I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't do those sort of things unless there was a strong push. So right, it's, taken yeah. a lot of, <laughs> it's taken a lot of pushing from her. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's been good. In August, we're hosting a Mike Brooks class where he he and the classmates will be building one of your Kibler kits. Is that mm-hmm. something that you've worked with Mike for a while? You mentioned there not having or not, you know, the logistics of a show and going out is complicated because you're away. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. is Mike kind of helping you on that end of things? Get out there you know, and share that. I'm not quite sure how it all happened, to be honest. Um, um, you know, I, I know that that you know, of course Mike is doing the, the, the class, um, uh, how that came about, you know, I'm not really sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, um, but I'm, I'm happy that he is, you know, I, I don't know Mike. Well, I know, I know him more through sort of some forums online, uh, than, than anywhere else. Um, although we have met, I believe just once, um, you know, at the CLA show a couple of years ago, but, um, you know, I, I'm real glad Mike is doing it. Mike has a, just a great deal of experience, you know, building these these guns and he's uh, fast and efficient and you know, approaches it, you know, in a uh, very workmanlike manner, um, but also, you know, really focuses on being historical correctness and so forth. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've heard, I think he's taught classes before, um, maybe at Connor Prairie in years past. Um, so he has experience teaching and I think, yeah, it's a great thing, you know? Yeah. Heck yeah. Well, <laughs> I can't, I'm not surprised after hearing you talk about the, the hecticness and, and how focused you are on the work. I'm not, I guess I'm not surprised <laughs> that you're not, you know, I think it's, you're not, uh, really hands-on with that you're focusing on on what you're doing it is it, it can be hard to do because you have to pull yourself away although um you know i have taught uh classes at uh, western kentucky at the gunsmithing seminar yeah in the past um and i was actually slated to teach a class on uh carving uh this year but of course it was canceled in a way it can be, be tough but it can be good too, kind of in some especially down there I, I i started going to western kentucky as a student and uh, then, you know, I don't know how many years I went as a student, but then they asked me to be become an instructor at some point. And um, it's a really neat environment. And um, a lot of people I see, I know, and, you know, friends. And it's just a, it's a, it's a neat place, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. good to catch up with, with people and, and your contemporaries too. I think there's a lot of uh, just kind of idea sharing and just sitting down and, and being in the same room with those people, I think conversations naturally strike up that Heck yeah. while may not apply to exactly what you're doing or what you're working on, it kind of gets the gears turning a little bit. Sure does. Yeah. Without a doubt. Well, at the, at the end of the episode, I always give, you know, the guest a chance to share where people can find them online. I think, I mean, Jim Kibler is kind of a name in itself there, but um, if you want to share, you know, what social media platforms you're on or share your website address, you know, just in case anybody out there doesn't know. 
Yeah, sure. You know, you can find uh, our website at jimkibler.net and uh, we have um, YouTube videos as well. Um, if you just search for, for Jim Kibler, uh, you know, you'll find our, our, our videos or Kibler's long rifles. Um, so that's where most of our information is. I, although I think we do a little bit on Facebook and Instagram, but not a, not a great deal. Um, but you'll find a little bit there as well. And, uh, you know, we're always, even though we're busy, um, don't hesitate. You know, I tell people don't hesitate to call because, you know, we're happy to talk to people. We always, you know, we realize that's part of our business and, and, uh, you know, we're, we're more than happy to take calls and we take calls. I probably shouldn't say this, but we take calls about any time of the day. So, <laughs> so um, you know, just give us a call if you think we can help. That's great. Well, thank you very much, Jim, for coming on. Absolutely. I really appreciate it's it. been a, it's been a pleasure talking to you and, uh, yeah, hopefully listeners will find this in, informative and, if you ever want to do it again, we can do it again sometime. Yeah, that'd be great. We'd like to thank the members of the National Muzzleloading Rifle Association for making all of this possible. Without their membership and their subscription to Muzzle Blast, we couldn't do interviews like this with Jim. I mean, everything from the email newsletters that we're sending out to the social media to the new videos where we're traveling out to small events all over the country. None of that would be possible without them. We'd also like to thank all the vendors and craftspeople that advertise in Muzzle Blast. If you're not a Muzzle Blast subscriber each month, along with the jam-packed articles and the kind of sink your teeth into, there's also a list of people making and selling everything that you could need to get started with muzzleloading, living history, bushcraft, any of that that you're interested in. Muzzle Blast has a whole list of people that would be able to help you out. Many of them being mom and pop shops like Jim we're talking to here. They aren't massive companies. They're small. I mean, if they're more than six people, they're a large, they're a large company when it comes to, to advertising in Muzzle Blast. So if you'd like to check out any of our Muzzle Blast advertisers and our sponsors for the episode, go to nmlra.org slash shop small. We'll have a link in the show description as well to check out and go directly to each of the advertisers' websites and get their contact information. If you're interested in any of Jim's work, all of the websites and social medias that he's mentioned, we're going to put down in the show notes in the description. You can also catch up with the transcript to this episode at nmlra.org. While you're visiting nmlra.org, if you have any interest in building one of Jim's kits and you're looking for a little guidance along the way, from a master craftsman, be sure to check out our Kibler kit building class with Mike Brooks. The class is a five-day course starting Saturday, August 22nd, going to Thursday, August 27th. Every student will come in with their Kibler kit ready. You're going to have to order your kit before, but you're going to come in with that raw kit straight from Jim Kibler's shop. And Mike Brooks is going to go through with you from start to finish over those five days. And you're going to come in with your kit and you're going to walk out with a Kibler long rifle that you can then go shoot at the NMLRA range. We'll have the range facilities open so you can come and stay and shoot your new Kibler kit. A link for the Kibler kit class will also be in the show notes down below if you're interested. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. You can reach out to us at media at nmlra.org. In the show notes, we'll also have the contact information for Mike Brooks if you have any questions about the class. The registration deadline is August 10th, and you need to make sure you have your kit ahead of time. So if you're interested in having the kit, we really recommend that you get your kit on order and you register for the class soon. Because of the increased interest in the Kibler kits, there is a little bit of a wait time. And if you're wanting to do the class, we want to make sure that you get everything on time. So be sure to check that out. 
The kits for the class are going to be the Kibler Colonial Rifle Kit or the Kibler Southern Mountain Rifle Kit. These are two kits that give you a great option to get started and uh, and get out there and start burning some powder. We're happy to share that Indiana is starting to open back up again. So if you're an NMLRA member that is looking to come and shoot and camp, while the June Nationals are still canceled, the campground and the restroom facilities, as well as the range facilities, are open. So if you're wanting to come in and just get a weekend away after being cooped up, burn some powder and camp out with some friends, you are more than welcome to do so. Coming up on the calendar on June 6th, we have our Centerfire Range Day. And then Friday, June 26th, the 2020 Women's Weekend starts. So if you're interested in coming out and hanging out, if you're new to muzzleloading, interested in getting started in muzzleloading, this is a great weekend to come out. We'll have instructors on just about every range with loaner guns and free materials to get started and in general learn how to start muzzleloading. And then Friday, July 24th through the 26th, we're having our 2020 Primitive Range Family Reunion. Range Officer Tim Hamlin is organizing this event as a way for everybody who missed out because of the June shoot cancellation to come down, have a small organized shoot for some small prizes, powder and medals, camp out and have a good time. While you're welcome to Camp Modern, if you have a camper, you're welcome to bring it down. Or if you have a modern tent camp, you're welcome to bring that down. Primitive dress and primitive camp is encouraged but not required. If you're interested in that event, it's $10 for a single person or $15 for your family. And that includes your range and your camping that whole weekend. In August, we're happy to host the Animal Array Regional Black Powder Cartridge Silhouette Championship. It's August 14th, 15th, and 16th. And in conjunction with that, we're hosting a Black Powder Bonanza, where we'll have uh, several of the lines open with organized fun matches and instructors and range officers you know, on the ground so you can come out and learn how to shoot black powder and and get started and have some fun. If you can, please subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and give us a rating. That really helps us get out in front of more people who are interested in muzzleloading and living history, but might not necessarily know about the animal array or muzzle blasts. As always, as a thank you for listening, if you purchase anything from the NMLRA store online and use the code PODCAST10, you'll get a 10% discount on your order. That's just a little thank you from us to say, hey, thanks for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. If you have any suggestions for the show, any comments, any critiques, feel free to email us at media at nmlra.org. We're always looking for feedback on ways to make the show better. Thanks so much and keep your powder dry.